What is up? What's happening? We are back. This is Football Life Presents the Audible coming at you early this week, an hour early, 6 o'clock Eastern, 3, 3 o'clock Pacific, because we have a football game on Tuesday night, Matt, which is unusual, and we'll break down that in just a minute. But first, Matt, I want to ask you, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, it's been a, it's been a week from hell, Randy. Um, things haven't been good this week. Some predictions have went up in smoke. Other things are doing okay. No Bears on this on Sunday, so you know what? It can't be that bad. White Sox fired Ricky Renteria, you know, and I guess some team won a championship this past weekend. Well, I guess if that's your way of asking how I'm doing, then I'm doing pretty well because, uh, like you said, a team did win a championship, my Los Angeles Lakers, bringing home the 2020 chip. They did it for Kobe, my guy Bean. Congratulations to LeBron, Anthony Davis, Frank Bogle, the rest of the organization. Those guys did their thing. I'm so proud to be a Lakers fan this week. So thankful that they could get it done. Matt, I don't know if you have had the chance or when the last time you've done it, but it's been eight years since I've been able to shop for championship merchandise. I got to just say this out loud real quick, and it's not a hot take, but shopping for championship merch is fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's great. I'm, the Blackhawks were the last ones that I actually looked for that. But 2005, the White Sox, I enjoyed it, you know, championship. There you merch. go. I mean, I look forward to come – Mid-February 2021, my Bears Super Bowl t-shirt and, you know, all, all that wonderful paraphernalia. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I hope for your sake you get to, to, to do that. And I hope you all get the chance to go on Fanatics or wherever you, you shop for your, your sports uh, gear. You get to go and your team has a championship shirt for you to buy because it's a, it's a great feeling. I almost forgot what it was like last time I got to do it. It was when my New York football giants defeated the New England Patriots Super Bowl 46 back in 2012. So that feels like ages ago. I don't even know how – I mean, that feels like a whole other life at this point. But um, – the reason we are coming at you guys earlier today is because we got football. Like I said, an early 7 o'clock game today with the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. And we're going to preview that game. But we're also going to do things a little bit differently this week. We're going to preview each week six game. And we're going to also use that opportunity to break down how each of those teams in that matchup did the following week. So we're not going to just do a full recap like usual. We're going to combine these shows because, Matt, I am unavailable the rest of the week. I'm taking a weekend hiatus, and I will be gone uh, with my fiance to the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. So we are going to try to knock it all out here in one show. Matt, how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm not sure if I can handle something like this, Randy, but I'm going to give it a shot. I am long-winded, so... <laughs> that you are um so we'll see how long this goes but thank you guys for joining us and sticking with us and uh we're gonna start off with that game tonight and we did pre we did preview this game and predict this game back on friday but we're just gonna refresh your memory here the bills and titans a matchup of undefeated teams and this game is happening matt because the titans had three straight days without a positive test congrats to the titans i guess they're the first team in the nfl to have a severe outbreak two dozen ca positive cases but finally we made it we're gonna get football yeah like this game feels so anticlimactic and it's been so long <laughs> since when this game was supposed <laughs> to be played and i'm just kind of like all right come on let's play the game already um yeah I, I, you know i'm not all that excited for this just because there's a couple individuals that are chirping about josh allen and <laughs> i really don't need to see josh allen have a game where he just destroys the you know tennessee titans uh, I mean, these are still two really good teams, regardless of the quarterback matchup. Um, 
Ryan Tannehill has done an incredible job uh, since taking over a starter in Tennessee, had a career resurgence, if you will. After getting rid of Adam Gase out of his life and leaving the Dolphins, he's done a great job in Tennessee. But I believe we both took the Titans to win on th- on Friday when we predicted this game. Uh, are your thoughts changing at all? Are you are you leaning towards the Bills more so now? I think this one's really a toss-up. Still, um, I know I projected the Titans to win. I I'm not feeling great about it, but I'll still go with the Titans. Yeah. But I, this game could go either way. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Where like I still think. This is a, I mean, this is a great matchup. Obviously, both teams are undefeated, but uh, I still think the Titans are the team that's going to win the game, but I, I just don't feel confident in that at all. I'm, I mean, am I going to wake up tomorrow when I go to work and be shocked that the Bills won this game? Absolutely not. But I'm still going to go rock the Titans here. And uh, looks like they have some fans in the stands here and they're previewing the game right now. So if we're still going on while this game starts, I will provide updates as we go. But we're going to try to plow through this uh, as quickly as we can, Matt, because, you know, we have uh, – busy, busy day here planned. So we're going to get right into it. This is our uh, week six preview slash week five recap. And we're going to start off with uh, the matchup of the Washington football team against the New York Giants. And this is the Washington football team coming off of a loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, And it wasn't very, it wasn't a very close game at all. Let me just pull up the final score for you really quickly here. But uh, the big story in this game wasn't even the final score. Uh, This was 30 to 10. But uh, Kyle Allen got the start in this game. But eventually, uh, something that we didn't know for sure was going to happen, uh, happened, Matt. We talked about it in the offseason. I said if he took a single snap all year, he was going to win comeback player of the year. Alec Smith found his way into the game, and he did not die, although Aaron Donald tried to kill him at some point. Uh, but he played <laughs> the rest of the game. And I'm not going to say he played well, but it was eerily similar conditions to when he originally hurt his leg. So the whole time you're kind of like – concerned that he's playing but nonetheless Alex Smith finishes the game for team uh and an an incredible story and you know I I, I've never really rooted for someone on another team like that but I was really pulling for him in that game it it was nice to see him get back on the football field I you know I I was nervous about it you always worry about a guy coming back from that gruesome of an injury but this team's still dog shit I mean for an offense that's supposed to have these weapons at wide receiver and I, I get it. Quarterback's such an important position to have, but this offense still cannot move the ball on the ground. They were supposed to have a better offensive line. It's still dog shit. And then they get to play the Giants, who are equally as dog shit as the Washington football team is. I mean, this is – I know Fox has a slew of 1 o'clock games, you know, 10 a.m. Central games. But, man, this game, they should do the viewing public a favor and not even air this stuff because this is the dog shit bowl. I, I hate both teams in this matchup. I have no interest in watching it. I think what you saw from the Giants was their last great effort. They should beat Washington. You would think they were better than Washington, but they had that. They had the Cowboys on the ropes. They had the knockout punch. Washington didn't have a prayer against the Rams. I, I don't know, Randy. I don't like this game. I, I, I think it's a bad matchup when it comes to the Washington offensive line versus – I'm sorry, the New York Giants offensive line versus that Washington front. With that being said, I can't ignore the quarterback position. I, I think the Giants squeak out a win here. But congrats to Alex Smith. I think Kyle Allen, if healthy, is going to start, which I think is right. I don't know how Alex Smith is going to get ever to that level that he was at, but – you know, but yeah. this game's not. Um, they, 
yeah, the, the Alex Smith uh, is not going to start this game. They already announced Kyle Allen will start this game. So as far as betting purposes, that gives a uh, the Washington football team a better chance to win, if you ask me. Because I don't think Alex Smith really looked right. I don't think he played all that well. I think Kyle Allen did fine. Um, I don't think it was all that great, but I think it was okay. Um, I think, you know, playing a defense uh, in the Rams is pretty good. So uh, the defensive level of the Giants isn't going to be nearly as challenging to uh, compete against. To move over to the other side of things here, um, the Giants, like you said, did lose to the Cowboys 37-34 to in a game that the Giants were winning 17-3 to at one point. They got a defensive touchdown. Um, I, this game was incredibly frustrating to watch as a Giants fan because everything that could have gone your way did, basically. Uh, and I just want to touch on the worst uh, part of this game quick. Uh, Dak Prescott, um, you know, was on a, a quarterback draw, gets tackled on the left side of the field. And almost immediately, you can tell um, something's wrong. His foot was going at a complete different angle than his leg was. He immediately calls for, you know, medical team. So does Logan Ryan, the guy who tackled him. Um, despite Tony Romo believing that it was a cramp, uh, it was definitely a broken bone at the, in the moment. I think all of us realized that. Um, so, you know, quickly, I just want to say shout out to Dak. Uh, pairs up. He already had a successful surgery. I hope he comes back and he can still come back and be an effective player and get paid. Uh, regardless of the team you root for, you don't want to ever see that. Um, what did you make of that situation? I thought it was a terrible job by Fox, and especially the broad, or a terrible job by CBS, and especially the broadcast team. But nonetheless, uh, pretty horrific situation for the Cowboys there. Well, yeah, I'm not going to bash Tony Romo too much here. I, I I think it's a little harsh to say that Tony Romo really made a humongous gaffe here. I, I mean, he probably didn't see the replay in full. Uh, obviously, I'm sure if he could take it back, he would. That's not the line you want to be remembered for, for that particular game. But in the same time, um, I don't know if the coverage is bad or good. I mean, it was a gruesome injury in a way, but you really didn't, besides the angle of where the foot was going, I don't think it was, you know, barbaric or gruesome or ghoulish since we're getting closer to Halloween here. But, <laughs> you, you know, I, my opinion of it is it sucks for Dak on a lot of levels because of the contract situation and everything that they're going through trying to get paid. And we really see that franchise tag and how it really bothers the players. And I think that's going to be a very contentious talking point for the next CBA when it comes to this as examples like Dak, but only two other quarterbacks, Randy have played a season under the franchise tag. Can you name them? Mm -hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins has got to be one of them, right? He got franchise tagged twice. Uh, I can't think of the other one, though. Drew Brees. Okay. Was that was that with the Saints or was that with the Chargers? I believe it was with the Chargers. I'll have to double-check that, but he did play one year under That's the franchise tag. Concern. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think Dak is going to get tagged again, and he's going to get paid handsomely for it because I don't see how the Cowboys can commit long-term to him again until they can see that he can play again. I mean, I think that would be negligent of any team. But regardless, that happens in the second quarter, maybe the third quarter. I don't remember exactly when. But then Andy Dalton comes into the game. And, okay, anytime you have a backup quarterback, and I think Andy Dalton is one of the better backups in the NFL, um, despite I, I don't think he's a great quarterback by any means, but he is a damn good backup to have because he has starting experience. He has a lot of uh, game experience itself. The Giants at that point, you got to win this game. And I, I don't care if it's Andy Dalton. They, The Cowboys defense 
could not even stop the Giants offense, which is pretty stunning. And the Giants offense still could not get the job done. Daniel Jones still could not throw a touchdown pass. This is the third straight game. Daniel Jones is not throwing a touchdown pass. That is alarming to me. Uh, I was right, though. The Giants offense only scored two touchdowns. The defense also had a touchdown, so that doesn't really count. Uh, but nonetheless, the Giants just, just failed when the, when the time mattered most. And unfortunately, the, many Giants fans like to take moral victories into account. And, oh, they play, they play hard for Judge. And, yeah, I'm glad they play hard for Judge. But at the end of the day, 0-5 is the only record, only thing that matters right now. You had chances to win games, and you did not. I'm very disappointed, and uh, I, I hate every week that I have to come on here and be like, well, they fought hard, or, oh, they almost won. Like, no, like, why don't you just win? Like, it's not that difficult uh, when you have uh, all these things go your way and you find ways to lose still. And you're not going to get a better game from Jason Garrett than you got. I think he came out and was like, I want to beat my former team. I'm, I'm going to call some pr- creative play calls. He called a flea flicker, for God's sakes. They threw the two-point conversion to their first-round pick offensive lineman. I, the Giants are always just going to be a team now that finds ways to lose. And now you have a matchup against a vulnerable Washington football team that uh, I think you have another opportunity to win a game here. And if they lose this game and go 0-6, then I just, I don't know where you're going to win many games because Washington, I'm accounting for two of their potential three wins that I think they can have. So I, I just, I'm, I'm going to say the Giants win this game just because I'm hoping that they can win this game. Yeah, the the big issue for me is Daniel Jones at this point. He has clearly regressed. He does not feel pressure coming from the backside at all, which is almost a death sentence because he fumbles way too damn much. I mean, now it's just ridiculous. You cannot keep on doing this and expect to put your team in a position to win. Now you have to go against Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young. I don't. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to take Washington to win this football game just because I think the Giants' offensive line is poor. Carter, who I think was a key player for the Giants' defense in the middle, is now out with his ruptured Achilles. So I'm going to take Washington here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to go Washington 24, the Giants 10. Yeah, that's the biggest concern is that with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, uh, the rest of those guys on the defensive line, um, and – I always uh, worry about like potential revenge games from Landon Collins. I could see him having a big day, uh, maybe forcing a fumble on Jones himself. But um, yeah, I- I'm going to go Giants in a close one, but I would not be shocked if they got shut down by the, the Washington front here. But I'm going to go Giants 21, Washington 17. And God, if they lose this game and they're 0-6, I have a hard time believing they're going to win very many games. I mean, I don't think that anyway, but I don't know who they're going to win against at that point. All right, moving on now. We got the Texans traveling to Tennessee to play the Titans. Obviously, we don't have a, a preview for the Titans because we don't know what happens in this game tonight uh, in their matchup against the Bills. But what we can say is that they are still undefeated. And now the Houston Texans are undefeated post Bill O'Brien because they are coming off of a win uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they look pretty good. I actually thought uh, Romeo Cornell got his guys to rally and play well. I mean, it's the Jags, so take that for what you will, but uh, they won 30 to 14. Brandon Cooks had 161 receiving yards and a touchdown. I don't know. Deshaun Watson, I don't think he had the greatest game, but on paper he had 359 passing yards. Uh, felt like a game that the Texans desperately needed and their fan base for sure needed, right? Yeah, it was a nice win. I don't think it really adds much to what they can do against good teams because, once again, we look at Jacksonville, and it's one of the worst teams in the NFL. You look at them, the Jets, the Giants – Washington and I think those four teams are pretty interchangeable to how bad they are I mean we could throw the Lions in there as well but that necessarily wouldn't be fair Um, you know I I think the big takeaway from what 
is going to happen and what could happen is that the Texans are going to get beat by really good teams. They're going to lose yeah. close games to okay teams. And, you know, they're going to play competitive down-to-the-wire games against bad teams. They're playing a really good team here in Tennessee. I don't know what happens in this game, but if Tennessee loses, that's going to be a pissed-off football team looking to get revenge, and the Texans are going to be the speed bump that they're just going to crush. So I, I really like the Titans, no matter the outcome of today's game. Unless Derrick Henry and Tannehill both get hurt, I, I don't see the Titans losing to Houston. Right. I mean, you have to take these predictions for a grain of salt with the teams that we haven't seen yet because we don't know the outcomes. We don't know injuries and stuff. So I'll just focus on the Houston side of things. Uh, you could tell how much of a problem Bill O'Brien was for that organization because the Texans came out and played way harder than they had all year. And there were reports coming out that O'Brien had completely lost the locker room, getting into spats with J.J. Watt, who has been there longer than he has and is, you know, a three-time defensive player of the year, a future Hall of Famer. Like, that is the guy that Texans fans beloved more than any player probably in franchise history, uh, maybe Andre Johnson, but I'd, I'd say J.J. probably to overtaken him at this point. But, I mean, Bill O'Brien completely got himself canned by his own doing as a GM. So, Romeo Cornell, I don't know how to judge him, but at least he got his guys to play hard at the end of the day. Um, Brandon Cooks look great. If you own Brandon Cooks in fantasy, I would try to trade him. His value is not going to be higher than it is now. Um, and David Johnson had a chance to have a much bigger game and yet failed. So that quest for a thousand, one thousand, um, certainly looking like a failure to me. But yeah, like like you said, Titans are a much better team. Uh, I imagine that they win this game by ten, um, unless like you said, big injuries here. So I'm going to go Titans thirty-one. Texans 21 and uh, you know, we'll see what happens tonight, but as long as everything, they come out unscathed, I'm not that worried about the Titans in this game. Yeah. I'm going to take the Titans right. 34. Well, let me get my score in Titans 34 Texans 13. All right. Uh, moving on now. And I guess this is a good point from Corey Decker. Uh, JJ saved Houston after Harvey. Uh, I don't know if he saved them, but he certainly, uh, you know, helped with all of the, the hurricane issues back in 2017 when that happened. Uh, JJ is so beloved in that, in that city and rightfully so he's one of the best players in the last decade uh, for sure. All right, moving on now to the Bengals traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts. And, Matt, this is where you can take your victory lap because you called it as good as Joe Burrow looked so far this season. He did not look very good against the Ravens, and the Ravens are solidifying themselves as one of the best defenses in the NFL to this point. And um, let me just give you the quick score here, Matt, and I'll give you the floor. You know, the Ravens took care of business 27-3 over the Bengals. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. There's going to be games like this for any rookie quarterback going against the defense as good as the Ravens defense. Burrow didn't play well. He missed wide receivers. He was under pressure. They got to him. They got in his head. And it was pretty much what I expected offensively from the Ravens. They pound the rock at you. They keep on coming at you in waves with Dobbins, Jackson, and the rest of those guys I can't even name. And Mark Andrews had a really nice game. So mm -hmm. tight end stock, fantasy, Andrews is up, but I want to take it as an indictment on Burrow. Like it's not that, you know, that's his career or anything like that. And I don't think anybody reacted that way, but it's a growing pain. And a lot of young quarterbacks have to go through this. Are there things to be alarmed about? I don't think more so than anything else when a rookie quarterback comes in. I mean, they blitzed him, they disguised coverages and he struggled with it. It's going to happen. 
Yeah, I don't think it's an indictment on Burrow by any means. I just think the Ravens have the, the personnel and the coaching to scheme up uh, against any team. And Marlon Humphreys is having, you know, an all-pro corner season. He's been unbelievable. Um, Patrick Queen was the best rookie in this game from LSU. And <laughs> um, he got Burrow a couple times, including on a strip sack for a fumble, return for a touchdown. And uh, Patrick Queen has looked great for them. And you knew when they picked him, uh, he was going to be an unbelievable fit. They go, those, that team breeds linebackers like nobody's business. Uh, but what's alarming to me about the, the Ravens is their offense. Uh, they do not look like the 2019 Ravens. And I think, you know, they have some offensive line concerns. Um, they, they need to run the ball more effectively than they are. L- Lamar Jackson has not looked as good. He has not rushed the ball well. He certainly has not passed the ball very well, um, which I think is more of an indictment on not being able to run the the balls effectively because you're not getting the play action passes. Uh, he's not getting to a rhythm with his legs. I don't know. What do you see is the problem with the Baltimore offense? To me, I think that their offensive line's banged up and that is the main issue right now. There are a couple different angles you can take with this one. Obviously I agree with you. The offensive line has not played as well as it played last year, and that's going to affect an offense no matter what, but also mm-hmm. it, it goes back to a league that constantly adjusts to assume that defensive coaches were not going to try to fit, find ways to stop Lamar Jackson. Essentially what they're doing is they're spying a linebacker to half the field. So if Jackson mm-hmm. rolls out to the other side, that linebacker knows that's his responsibility. If he rolls out to the other side, the linebacker's picking him up on that side. So they're almost dedicating a, you know, a half a spy to a field, which has really eliminated the linebackers having to go sideline to sideline against Jackson in his speed, which almost you can't do in this league because Lamar Jackson's so damn fast. But also, I think they're shutting down the handoffs to the running backs. And it's either they're really forcing Jackson to beat him with his arm. These defenses are not respecting the throwing ability of Jackson, which, I mean, I can't blame them. You want to see him make more accurate throws. So mm-hmm. what really had them – that were giving them – what gave them a lot of success last year was the three tight ends. And now they have two, they traded away one of their tight ends. So that hurts the identity of this offense because they would pack it in and just come straight at you. So it's a combination of a lot of issues. Is this team still one of the better teams in the AFC? Without question, they're one of the better teams in the AFC. Do they have flaws? Yes, they do. Is this team going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? No, they will not. Yeah, they got to clean some things up offensively. I think that teams are really focusing on contain on Jackson because when he gets to the outside, he's so dangerous that uh, you really have to make sure he stays in the pocket, like you said, beat you with his arm. So uh, good on teams for scheming up. And I, I'm not concerned about the Ravens being a playoff team or anything like that, but I can't imagine them beating the Chiefs or some other teams in the AFC um, in the playoffs. And the other side of this matchup here, which uh, we spent a lot of time on the Ravens there, but this is the Bengals here going to Indianapolis to play the Colts and the Colts falling to the Cleveland Browns here. Uh, And to me, you know, the Colts have a good defense despite losing uh, Darius Leonard. They they probably could have used him in that game big time. Um, But they just do not have the quarterback play right now in Phillip Rivers to win some games that are shootouts. And I think he is the biggest issue with the Colts right now. It really is kind of amazing that the Colts go from this offensive juggernaut, like they could put up points in bunches. They went from Manning to Luck and really didn't miss a beat. Then Luck retires, and now you're in quarterback hell. And this is why it's the most important position in all of football and almost all of sports. I I don't think you can place an emphasis in any other sport 
as how important a quarterback is to a football team. Goaltenders may, may be the closest thing in hockey because they can get hot and win you a few games. They're not going to keep you consistently good because it's shown throughout history. You can have a horrible offensive team and still lose games one to nothing because the other team gets a shot on goal. You have a good quarterback in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady throughout the years, Josh Allen now, um, Drew Brees last night. I mean, Justin Herbert keeps on losing these heartbreaker, heartbreaking games, but they're in games because the quarterback play is good. And that's what makes the difference here. So with that being said, I, I just think when you look at how these teams are constructed, the Colts have to get better at the quarterback position, whether they coax luck out of retirement, they're not going to be good enough. It's a lot like the bears here where we see the bears at four and one, we see the Colts at three and two, both these teams are going to be picking mid teens to low twenties. Probably either you're going to have to spend draft capital to move up to get a quarterback, or you have to go the free agency route or trade. And none of those options are really desirable for either one of these franchises. But the Colts have – they have the roster. They have to make a decision on how they're going to move up and get that quarterback to help this defense, to complement this defense, because it's too good not to. Yeah, they, to me, they are uh, one of the teams that I can see jumping up to grab a quarterback in the first round this year. More than, more than any of them, I think they have one of the worst situations that quarterback in the league. I think Rivers is going to retire after this year. I just don't think he has anything left. I think it's time for him to walk away and understand that, you know, he would, despite him being there mentally, physically, he just cannot make the throws. Um, he cannot evade sacks. He can't move in the pocket. He just looks old. He looks very old. Um, he gets intercepted every week. He had 12 passes that could have been intercepted in this game. And, you know, you could probably do that with every quarterback, but Rivers seems to just underthrow a man or doesn't have the zip on the ball anymore. And he's always thrown weird, but now it seems like he lacks all of the other things that made him such a great quarterback. Um, but we're going to, you know, I think the Colts ultimately get off the Schneid here and they win this game against the Bengals and uh, their, their defense is good enough. Um, and despite Phillip Rivers being so bad, uh, I think they are going to win games against bad teams and the Bengals have shown us that they are a bad team despite they're having a bright future. So Matt, I don't know about you, but I think the Colts win this game by at least a touchdown. So I'm going to say 24 to 16. Yeah, the, the Bengals are going to have a real tough time moving the ball against this defense. You know, they, Burrow goes from Baltimore to Indianapolis. It's almost not fair mm -hmm. with the defense that he has no. to go against right now. But, yeah, it's easy to say. I think you're probably looking at a 20-10 to 10 game here. I, I think the Colts get a couple of field goals and a couple of touchdowns. I, I really see issues for Cincy moving the ball here. All right. Do you have a score for us? 20-10. to 10. 20 to 10 Colts. 20 20 to 10. Okay. All right. So moving on now, and we have some news involving this team here because uh, the Atlanta Falcons are traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. And before we break down this game, they lost to the uh, Carolina Panthers 23 to 17, I believe. And um, they made some changes after the game. Yes, it was 23, 16. Uh, this is something we've been asking for for a very long time, Matt, but they did fire Dan Quinn. They did fire GM Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, it feels like to me the Falcons have not been the same since blowing the 28-3 lead in Super Bowl 51. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, last year they started 0-6 as well. This feels like this should have happened last year. 
it, it's going to be an issue for this team. And when you have your quarterback and star wide receiver both come out and say, maybe it's time for a rebuild, that's that's pretty damning at this point. So I think everyone mm-hmm. kind of wants a fresh start. And you take a look at a team. We just talked about a team that needs a quarterback. What does Atlanta need? They need draft picks. They need capital. They could get a quarterback with their top couple of picks, but you already have a star quarterback in Matt Ryan. So capitalize on it. Rebuild, blow it up. You you will get a first round for Matt Ryan. There are plenty of thirsty teams at quarterback. The Bears, the Colts, I mean, maybe the Jets, if they don't want to take a quarterback with one of their top picks. Julio Jones is going to fetch you. Yeah, I mean, and then Julio Jones is going to fetch you a pretty nice return as well. So there's going to be mm-hmm. options out there. And I think this is the time where the Falcons really need to say, this is where we're at realistically. What do we need to do? And I think they move on from Ryan and Julio Jones. They get a really nice draft capital and they really boost that um, rebuilding process. And if they get the first pick, they need a new coach, Randy. I know we kind of tab Lawrence and Dabo as a package deal here. It kind of makes mm. sense. South Carolina's not that far from Georgia. Atlanta, it's only a few hours' drive. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know if Dabo is that interested in pros, but it would not shock me at all if he wants to hitch his wagon to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> don't blame him for that at all either. Um, but, yes, so Falcons love this interim coach, Raheem Morris. Um, he was their defensive coordinator, despite the Falcons not having the best defense. They love him as a potential replacement, uh, permanent replacement for Dan Quinn. So we'll see how he does uh, post in the post-Dan Quinn era. But they, they're certainly talented. Every time you, the Falcons play a game, you hear the announcers, oh, they have – you know, 10 of 11 first round picks on the offense and um, their defense has all these first rounders and they have talent on the team. So if you don't want to blow it up completely and it's a philosophy thing, uh, if it's a mentality thing, then I understand that maybe Matt Ryan is a choker. Maybe he's the reason that this is all happening. I don't think so. I think it's a big defensive problem. And I think it's, at this point, the core of this team, I think, is so shook by losing that Super Bowl that they are almost allergic to winning big games and that you see them go on these runs when they're already 0-6 uh, and the, their season is over. So we'll see what happens with the Falcons. They are 0-5 now. They are, uh, you know, that top three with the Jets and the Giants for, for draft position. Um, and the Vikings on the other side of the ball here, they had that game one against the Seahawks. They were up the entire game. And then Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, comes back and steals it from him along with DK Metcalf. Uh, but it seems like the Vikings are at least playing a little bit better uh, following their brutal start. But I imagine you don't believe too much in the Vikings here. It, there's a couple of things going against the Vikings here. I think one thing that you take a look at with the Vikings is that they've played some pretty decent opponents. It wasn't like they lost to a bunch of schlubs. You know, when you have guys like um, Indy, they lost to Indianapolis, I believe. I can't remember who their one wins against. I'm struggling with that. Houston. Houston. Okay, yeah, they beat beat them. Yep. Okay, so then we take a look at this. So they lost to Tennessee as well. And these were close games. They weren't, you know, blowouts by any stretch. They played tough against Seattle. They should have won that game. Like I said, I, I don't trust Kirk Cousins in a big game. And granted, he played well. He threw a bad interception. I mean, that's usually what Kirk will do. So the Vikings team is a lot better than this Falcons team mentally-wise. I do think there's mental struggles on both sides of the ball. But Mike Zimmer's proven to be a good coach. Dalvin Cook, if healthy, I, I don't know what's going on with the groin. So that could be the big difference in this game. If Dalvin Cook's healthy, 
that changed the Seattle game, I think, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, Randy, because when he got hurt, that's when they start really going on that run. But I like Minnesota here with or without Cook. I do think the Falcons are just mentally shot. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in a job for so long and things haven't gone right, they pay you okay. You don't feel like you're being taken advantage of, but you just need that breath of fresh air. You need that reset. You know, you need to move somewhere else to be a better person. And I think that's where Matt Ryan and the Falcons are at, along with Julio Jones. They need a separation. And I don't think it's going to get better this year. So I'm taking the Vikings. 24-17. Yeah, uh, and um, Ricky Velasquez brings up a good point that the Vikings had a chance to kick a field goal to go up eight late in the game, and they did not kick that field goal. Um, you know, Gavin Cook goes down, and Madison plays well and has 112 rushing yards, but he missed a huge hole uh, that could have changed the game as well, which led to a stop by, the, by Seattle and uh, eventually costing them the game as well. So Madison – doesn't have the same effect on the game Cook has for sure, but he still plays well enough. Uh, and I'm not sure that's going to be the totally game changer here. And especially against the Falcons, like I, I don't know what to make of them. Maybe they have a total resurgence, much like the Texans did and play well here. But I'm going to go with the Vikings. Um, we'll see what Raheem Morris has in store for Atlanta. But I'll go Minnesota 27 Atlanta 24. I think Atlanta's offense still is good enough because Calvin Ridley's back and I think Julio might play, but we'll see about that. Todd Gurley also, I think, leads the NFL in touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't think he looks the same, but he looks really good. It's like, looks still looks effective to me uh, as far as a, a touchdown score. So, um, shout out to Todd Gurley to not, uh, you know, not look like a complete bum this year so far. So, um, okay, Matt, we're moving on now to the game that should have happened tonight which was uh, – or last night, I should say, the Broncos at New England. Uh, but because of another New England Patriots positive case, they moved this game to next Sunday, which led to a whole mess of schedule changes. And if you haven't seen the schedule changes, I believe our fearless leader, Henry Maldonado Jr., posted them in Football Life. Be sure to check that out. Uh, changes up some bye weeks and some when teams play when. It's a – I don't know how they figured it out, but it, it, it was a big mess and it was super confusing. Um, but nonetheless, this game will happen on Sunday. And all I can say is finally, this game feels like it should have happened two weeks ago, but, <laughs> and now it's happening now. Uh, as of now, on this, I'm recording this on Tuesday, um, there's going to be no Cam Newton or no Stephon Gilmore. So this game's going to be the Stink Bowl featuring, uh, I don't know, is it going to be Brian Hoyer? Is it going to be Jared Stidham? And is it going to be Brett Rippon again? I don't know, but this game's going to stink. Yeah, I'm not. It's. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how can I, we're, yeah, man, Vic Fangio, I feel so bad for Vic. I was happy when he got a head coaching position. I felt like he earned it, but man, this Broncos team, I mean, he's Bradley Chubb got hurt. Von Miller gets hurt. Yeah. His quarterback drew Locke looks like he's ascending and then he gets hurt. Cortland Sutton, one of the young breakout star wide receivers in the league. He's done for the year and, and Fangio really, I think he's got the right coordinators. I would find it hard to justify firing him, but I really think he gets fired just because of Elway. The Broncos are just a mess. You see them go through coaches after Kubiak. It hasn't been something that you would hope it would be. So with that being said, New England's a different beast. I I, I think they're well coached. Cam will have a decent game. I don't really see them getting pressure on Cam. Denver's defense is extremely leaky against a pretty 
I, I think a better than advertised wide receiver core with Edelman, Nikhil, Harry, and I'm forgetting. You think the other. Cam plays? Because I don't think he's going to be able to play. I, I think it's going to be two weeks, isn't it? Because the game got moved. I, as far as I'm, I, I read it, I think Bill said he wasn't sure. I thought it wasn't going to be sure if he was going to be able to play Monday because it was still within that. I think uh, it would have been day 13. Now, now we're talking gotcha. about like, yeah, day 19 or 20. So he might be good to go. Okay. If Cam plays, okay. Patriots are going to win this game yeah. going away. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I guess that's true. I, I guess maybe I, I misread that, that situation. Um, but I have, I, I'd be surprised if they fired Fangio. I think you have to look at the, the situation like Drew Locke gets hurt. Von Miller gets COVID and get, gets hurt and opts out. Um, your team's totally banged up right now. And Cortland Sutton's out for the year. I, I feel like that's not on the coaching staff and I'd be willing to give Vic Fangio a sh- another shot. But if they do fire him, he's going to make another team really happy as their defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, <laughs> maybe it's a reunite reuniting with the bears who knows um but uh i'm just gonna you know we're gonna give our quick predictions because there's nothing really to say about either of these teams they haven't played in two weeks um if cam plays yeah patriots are gonna win this game big they're gonna win 28 to uh 10 um, matt what do you got for score cam plays is gonna be 31 17 I, I i do like the broncos with tim patrick i i think that's a little bit of a star in the making there along with Jerry Judy nice combination I hate the quarterback situation but I do like Tim Patrick but yeah it's it should be an easy one for New England if Cam plays all right so we broke down the Ravens quite a bit a little while ago again when they went over the Bengals Uh, they are traveling to Philadelphia this week to play the second place team in the NFC East the one three and one Philadelphia Eagles who I thought briefly had a chance to beat the Steelers. Um, and I guess I'll focus more on the Eagles here because we did talk a lot about the Ravens earlier. But, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, not okay. I just get eh. Like, all I can say is eh. Like, he leaves it a lot on the field and you wish he did more. And we talked about this. Philadelphia is slowly planting the seeds for Jalen Hurts to become their quarterback. And I don't know if it's going to take a Carson Wentz injury for that to happen. Well, if it's going to take a Carson Wentz injury, they don't, they're not going to have to wait too long. But, but Randy, I hope you're sitting down because here it comes. Here it comes. The Eagles are going to beat the Ravens this week. I guarantee you because I'll tell you one thing. Miles Sanders is a man on a mission, and how they exploited mm-hmm. that Pittsburgh run defense, and I, I will take Pittsburgh's defense over the Ravens' defense – I like Philly here. I think they get to two, three, and one, establish themselves as the big dog in the NFC least. And alas, the Eagles beat the Ravens 25 to 24. You know what? I, this is the crazy thing is because I agree with you and I, I criticize myself for not picking as many upsets uh, this was a game I pegged because of how uninspiring, uh, uninspired I am by the uh, Ravens offense that uh, they don't have a guy like Chase Claypool to score four touchdowns against the Phillies defense. And maybe Phillies defense is willing to gift that to someone like Hollywood Brown. I, I, I guess I could see that happening, but to me, Chase Claypool is a stud in the making and the, the, the Steelers still have other weapons like Juju and Deontay Johnson and all these players to make that happen. Baltimore's passing game to me is not even close to be good enough to torch the Philly secondary like that. And I love Philly's front seven and their pass rush is still damn good. 
um, that I think they will have their way with Baltimore. And this game is going to be defensive and it's going to be ugly. And I like Philly to pull it out. And as far as the big dogs, it's sad that they're going to be big dogs at two, three, and one. But unfortunately, this is now the, the Eagles division to lose with Dak Prescott's injury. So uh, I do think Philly wins this game close. Um, and we're going to touch on the Steelers here in a little bit. Um, you know, we'll focus more on them at, right after this game, I should say, because that game's up next. Uh, but Philly should have won that game. They had plenty of chances to win that game. They kicked a 61-yard field goal, and Jake Elliott pushes it to the right. And if he was playing the damn Giants, I have no doubt in my mind he makes that kick. So I'm kind of annoyed about that. <laughs> but <laughs> Philly uh, does lose to the Steelers, and they fall to 1-3-1. One, one. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to be starting for the quarterback for this team really soon. And they have a, a star in the making here, wide receiver, Matt. I don't know if you watched any of this game, um, but his name is Travis Fulgham. He had 152 yards receiving, and he just torched Pittsburgh's defense. And he, this is the second straight week he's looked really good. And uh, I'm really impressed by number 13 for Green. I don't know. Did, what did you make of Travis Fulgham? I agree with you. I, I saw a team that needed a wide receiver to step up. And there's Travis Fulgram just burning past Pittsburgh secondary players. And keep in mind, Pittsburgh's got a really nice secondary. It's not like a bunch of schlubs out there. So I I like them. And once they get Alshon Jeffrey back, Deshaun Jackson back, he still may be the primary target for Wentz. But guess what? you got to respect those other guys too. But one of Mm -hmm. Wentz's biggest criticisms, and he hasn't been able to shake it, is that he does not go through all of his progressions. He locks into one wide receiver, and that's where he's going to throw the football. And that is what is driving Doug Peterson nuts. That's why they didn't want to let go of Nick Foles, but they paid Carson Wentz a ton of money, so they had to dump Foles. But I I promise you this, those seeds are there. They are tired of this. Mm And I would not be surprised by the end of the season, like you said, that Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback for your playoff-bound Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> he comes in randomly, throws a nice pass, it gets taken out. I mean, they are, they're not even really being that quiet about it. I think that they are showing you that this is something that they're at least embracing uh, later in the season. But I agree with you. Philly going to upset the Steelers here. Uh, no, not the Steelers. They're going to upset <laughs> – um, the, the Ravens here, I should say. Uh, and they're going to win an ugly defensive game 19 to 17. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. Moving on now to the other matchup in Pennsylvania this week. Uh, it is an AFC North rivalry, and it might actually be a rivalry now uh, with the four and one Cleveland Browns. And I just want to pat myself on the back, Matt. You can pat yourself on the back because we have been talking up the Browns all offseason. We love this team. We love how talented their roster was. And the biggest difference is coaching. Kevin Stefanski has come in and changed this team. They changed their mindset, their philosophy, the way they are run. Um, They go in and they beat the Colts 32 to 23 without Nick Chubb. I love the way their defense is playing. Uh, I love how run first they are. Baker Mayfield not killing them with brutal turnovers as much anymore. He's spreading the ball around. I really thought he did a nice job doing that uh, with Hooper and Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, even Odell had an amazing catch in that game. Uh, and they got Higgins back who caught a touchdown. Like they look really good. And I'm, I'm starting to think here, the Browns are legit and they are, and they have a real chance of winning this division. And that chance increases even more if they can beat the Steelers who have consistently owned them forever. I don't know about you, Matt, but I am talking myself into Cleveland. I I would really love to go Cleveland here with you. I, I think I had the Ravens winning this division. 
I had the Browns finishing in second and I had the Steelers finishing in third. And I think I kind of prefixed that by saying, well, you know, maybe if they have, you know, Roethlisberger comes back and he's good. Roethlisberger is pretty damn good. So yes, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to switch some things up here. I, I, I am going to take the Browns to still finish second. They're not going to beat big brother here. They're going to lose to Pittsburgh in this game but it's okay because I think they take care of business versus the Ravens. I think the Ravens are the team that finishes in third for our concerns listed, but they're not going to win this game. The Browns are not going to win this game. They're going to fall to four and two. The Steelers are going to go to five and oh, we're going to rejoice in big Ben's greatness here. And mm. the Steelers are going to win this game by a total of 34 to 29 Pittsburgh. Mm. That would be a hell of a game. And the Browns are finding themselves in the very entertaining games each and every week. Uh, so that's a credit to them. I uh, love that the, they changed the uniforms back to the classic look. It's so much better to watch than it, those hideous orange ones that had Browns on the, the pants. Those were just god awful. And uh, the Steelers, I mean, they did win over Philly. Credit to them. But like you said, their defense got gashed by a Philly offense that did not look very good so far to this point this season. I can't help but to think the Browns are going to run it all over to the Steelers right now, unless that game was a fluke. I don't know. Uh, not having Nick Chubb hurts for sure. Uh, but Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt played incredible in that game. And he is a difference maker. And it's a huge signing for the Browns. Uh, the, I want to see, okay, Chase Claypool. Shout out to me. I am the man with two thumbs that dropped Chase Claypool in fantasy last week, and then he scores four touchdowns against Philly. Uh, one rushing, three catches, uh, three touchdown receptions. And at one point, um, this is how bad the Philly secondary is. Uh, Claypool is lined up in the slot, and Big Ben has to call an audible, and Claypool straight up just goes, I don't know what route to run, and Big Ben just goes, hey, run a, run a post. And then like this, this, the coroner heard him say it, and he still couldn't stop him, and he scored a touchdown on that play anyway. That's a, that's a funny clip if you get the chance to check it out. But I love Trace Claypool. I love the, the Steelers' offense as a whole. I don't love their running attack per se, but Big Ben is, is back, and he looks better than uh, you know the rest of the 4 quarterbacks that are standing in. And basically, it's just Philip Rivers at this point. But uh, a credit to him for coming back and having a great year. He might be leading the pack for comeback player of the year at this point. Um, but I am talking myself into the Browns. I love the way their defense is playing. I love the way Miles Garrett is playing that pass rush. They are built to win football games because they have good trench play. We talk about so much that football is won in the trenches. They have a good defensive line and they have a great offensive line. So I think the Browns get one of the biggest wins in their franchise's history, especially uh, probably the biggest win in the 21st century for the Browns. Uh, I'm going to go 24 to 21. Cleveland gets a big win over Pittsburgh. Wow. I don't think it's that big of an upset. Cleveland looks really good this year. All right, we'll see. Uh, now, time for your Chicago Bears update of the week. The Bears are 4-1 and one and in second place in the NFC North. Uh, and, obviously, we broke down that game against the, the Bucs on Thursday Night Football. Um, you know, the Bears are finding a way, a way to win football games. Uh, Fami posted earlier today that they are the second worst analytical team to ever be 4-1, and one, only to the 2010 Chicago Bears. But at the end of the day, all that matters is that you are 4-1. and one. It does not matter about analytics or any of those advanced stats. Bears are here, and they have a, a, certainly a talented team. That's how they got here. And they're facing off against the Carolina Panthers, who since Christian McCaffrey went down, have won three straight games and have looked pretty damn good doing it. I love what Matt Rule has done in Carolina. Matt, what do you make of this matchup? I'm just going to ask you, 
Can you tell me what two teams were in the NFC Championship game in that 2010 season? Uh, I believe it was the Bears and Packers. That's correct. And 10 years later, I think we're going to find ourselves down the same road. I don't know. I'm not going that far yet. I'm was, not that the, was that the Cutler – was that the Cutler yeah. elliptical sideline game? Yeah, yeah, yep, that was the Cutler elliptical <laughs> game. So I, I go back to what my eyes tell me. The offense is not good. The, the, there's a lot of things missing. They're not on the same page. Nagy has to do a better job offensively. What I see is if you give this defense a lead, you're in deep shit. Like – you are not going to be able to move the ball. We're talking about the number one red zone defense, the number one third down defense in the entire NFL. And that's why analytics favor offensive football. It's just what it is because they look at point spread, point scored, yardage. That's what it's going to look at. The Bears will suffocate you defensively. As long as the offense can keep them in games, it's a boxing match. It's ugly. It's not going to be aesthetically pleasing. We've said almost every game this year was going to be ugly. And so far, every game has been ugly. But there is something about this team where you just feel Nick Foles comes in. He gets them in the right plays. He makes enough plays. I think with the path, Panthers, we saw them beat a Chargers team in L.A. Kudos to them, you know, but the Chargers are that young team trying to figure out how to win. Then the Panthers, I don't want to say they've won games that they shouldn't have, but three and two seems kind of fluky to me for this Panthers team. I think what you're going to see is a lot of the Bears defensive players start getting to high gear. I'm going to take the Bears here, Randy, and I'm going to take the Bears 23 to 20. I, I don't know. I think the Carolina offense might be legit here. Uh, Mike Davis has played really well. I love their speed. Uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson uh, and Curtis Samuel. I think they really do have an underrated collection of wide receivers and Teddy Bridgewater has played very well the last three weeks uh, under Matt Rule's system. And I don't know if we've really seen it with the bears so far, if they've played an offense that is so fast. And I don't know, like, I think Carolina is really, really fast. I think the bears can handle themselves, but I think they might struggle with the speed of the Panthers, especially on the outside. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I just think that, you know, Carolina's offensive speed has impressed me so far. Falcons are pretty damn fast. Yeah. With, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's true. Cal- the bears Ridley. played them and yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's a good point. That's true. Uh, it really comes down to how Teddy Bridgewater can handle the Bears' defense. Like you said, if the Bears get a lead, uh, I think Carolina might struggle there. But just to go contrarian, I will go Carolina here. I, I just really love how they played offense. And this is this goes back to my uh, running back narrative here. Uh, maybe not pay your running backs as much as they paid Christian McCaffrey because they've been better without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, um, the Vikings were fine without Dalvin Cook. Like, Running backs are totally replaceable, and I love Christian McCaffrey. He is a great player. It's not a knock on him, but Mike Davis has come in and done a great job, and the coaches and the rest of that offense has done a great job in adjusting to life without CMC because it is possible. It can be done. It's not something that is the end of the world when you do not have a running back. So, so I'm going to go Carolina. And it's, go ahead. I, I, I just got to go. Like Since we want to bring up their three wins, Chargers, they only scored 21 points. Yep. The Cardinals, one of the worst defensive line, well, one of the worst defenses in football, not a great defensive team. 
they scored 31. I, I guess you tip your hat to, you know, that was at home. Against the Falcons, they only scored 23 points. Against the Falcons, 23 points. They, they're not going to score that many points against this defense. I, I think you talk about Robbie Anderson. What the Bears can do defensively is they'll man you up. They'll go one-on-one with yeah. wide receivers because they're not worried about it. They got Kyle Fuller. And one of the unsung players on this defense is Jalen Johnson, who was pretty damn good. He has not got an interception yet, but I believe he's in the top five in pass deflections in the league. That's how good Jalen Johnson has been. And then you have Eddie Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson. We go on and on from there. But the Bears are susceptible to the run. I don't think this Panthers team can score points. I question it. And I do not think Teddy Bridgewater is the end-all, be-all without weapons. So I, I don't see that happening. But you're entitled to your pick. That's fine. And, look, I know that you're not going to apologize for being 4-1. and one. I just think it's kind of fluky, and maybe they won some games that they probably shouldn't have. So I think the NFL is a weird way of help, kind of writing the ship here, and I think they could lose this game that they probably should win. So I'm going to go Carolina – 24 bears 23 and it's going to be a, a really close game late and somehow something weird happens at the end and carolina wins i'm sorry matt but that's just what my gut is telling me right now i'm changing my pick bears 31 panthers 14 <laughs> i love when we're going against each other with some of these picks it's fun uh <laughs> I really thought I was going to have my own pick with this, the, the, uh, with the Eagles there, and you took it from me. So uh, glad we have some opposite opinions here. Uh, well, if the Giants and the Washington football team is the stink bowl, this one is pretty damn close to the stink bowl uh, because it is the Detroit Lions traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Uh, and this game is just awful. <laughs> this is one of the worst matchups uh, that I could think of. And um, the Lions are coming off of a bye in which the bye dominated them in the trenches and led to a lost. I'm kidding. Sorry, Leon. I uh, just have to poke fun at your team. And the Jags, uh, after winning week one, have now lost four straight and got embarrassed by the Texans last week. Um, so, you know, if you ask me what my initial thoughts are, is that the Lions are going to win this game. There's no way Jacksonville wins this game. <laughs> Stafford's going to light them up. Kenny Galladay's going to have a big year. Start your Lions this this week. Start them all against Jacksonville. <laughs> this is where you break yeah. off the mothballs. But, yeah, this game sucks. I, I'm going to take the Lions 34, Jacksonville 16. And I'm not going to – there's no need for me to talk about this. Yeah. Um, look, there, some of these games we'll talk more about because they're, they're warranted. Some of these games we won't. And this is one of those games we don't need to get into all that much. Uh, I agree with you. Lions, start your Lions. Um, especially the receivers, especially uh, Matt Stafford. And uh, if our friend Leon, you know, really wants the Lions to be a top 10 offense or whatever, this is the game to boost those stats. And uh, I think the Lions will do that. I think they win 38 to 21 and the Jags just get another garbage time touchdown to make it look even that close. So uh, I love the Lions in this game, but this game is uh, pretty awful. All right. That wraps up the early games, which is the one o'clock games for me, the 10 a.m. games for you. We have two late games this week, and this first one I do not understand for the life of me. This is the second time in the last three weeks the damn New York Jets 
are on freaking primetime or the late game window, at least. Uh, and they are traveling to Miami to play the Dolphins, who are also in this late window for the second straight week. But at least they performed when they were on there. They're coming off of a huge win over the Niners and a huge upset over the reigning NFC champions. Meanwhile, the Jets just get their asses completely handed to them by the Arizona. Uh, they started Joe freaking Flacco, for God's sake. Um, I don't know. It just This game stinks. Dolphins are going to dominate the Jets. Those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I'm probably going to go the uh, old Miami Dolphins here, 35, the New York Jets, 13. I, I don't have much faith in the Jets. Dolphins looked really good. Jimmy Garoppolo struggled, but that's basically what you're going to see from a Jets quarterback no matter who starts anyway. So, Dolphins big, 35-13. The Jets, um, more than any, like the Falcons are bad and the Giants obviously are winless as well. The Jets feel like the team that could go – 0-16 more than any other team. They have not even been competitive in these games. The talent does not feel like it's there at all. Adam Gase is just the biggest joke, and I'm sorry, Jake, for bringing him up again, but he has got to go. They need, like, they could not get him out of the building any quicker. It came out today that they're trying to trade Le'Veon Bell. They should also be trying to trade Adam Gase to like a high school team or like a division three college team, like get Adam Gase out of the building, literally get anyone else in the building with some future with the team. And unfortunately if they fire Greg, uh, Adam, Adam Gase, it's going to be Greg Williams who comes in and probably gets the team to play well. And then he'll end up getting some kind of job somewhere else. And the Greg Williams experiment should be over with, but who knows, but yeah, uh, Dolphins are going to win this game. I know division games, blah, blah, blah. I think they went by 10. Uh, I'm going to say 27, 17 Miami and, it's not even really going to be that close. We need like a breaking news segment. Ricky, we need to get Ricky on the payroll. Dalvin Cook has been ruled officially out for week six. Oh, Ricky coming up big with the breaking news. Get I can like, play the animation we use at work. Yeah, for real. We got to cut him some check or Venmo him or something. Thank you, Ricky. That is huge for the Vikings. So if you have Alexander Madison in fantasy or you hopefully you handcuffed him to Dalvin Cook, doesn't change much. I still think the Vikings win that game against Atlanta, but um, thank you, Ricky, for that news. That's huge. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip flop. I'm going Atlanta. Okay, and and honestly, that's what I criticized them for when they gave Cook that contract, uh, or when they, they I was like, Dalvin Cook has been injured a lot, and you know, here we are, another injury for Dalvin Cook and more missed games. So, um, all right. I mean, I don't think Madison is too much of a drop off. I love Dalvin Cook's talent, but I think they can get the job done with Madison. Okay, now for the last game in the four o'clock window, one of the two of two, uh, this game's going to be awesome, I think. And it's the Packers traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Uh, the Bucks coming off of that loss to the Bears on Thursday Night Football, where Tom Brady forgets how many downs there were. Uh, and the Packers are just cruising because they had a bye week. They remain undefeated. The last game we saw them was Monday Night Football against the Saints. Was that Monday Night Football? Maybe it was Sunday Night Football. Regardless, it was primetime. Aaron Rodgers still looks amazing. Looks like they're going to get Devontae Adams back for this week. Uh, the Packers feel like they're in a prime position here to handle the Bucks, And if the Bucks are still banged up, then this is not a great situation for them. The most important piece to the Bucks defense is done for the year, and that's Vita Vea. That broken ankle and him not being in the middle of that defense is devastating. They, that's how they stop the run. That's it right there. I get Shaq Barrett's nice, you know, and Levante David is playing at a really high level without Vita Vea teams are going to be able to move the ball on the ground. And you're talking about one of the better running backs in the NFL and Aaron Jones, Mm -hmm. who can beat you out of the backfield and who can beat you receiving rushing 
all that. And then they get Devontae Adams back, and now they have a new big tight end in Tanya. This, to mm-hmm. me, Randy, to me, this is going to be a blowout. And I think the wow. Packers take care of business because I don't think they're going to be able to block up um, the Packers' defensive front. The Packers can get after the quarterback, especially when they get to a big lead. And I think it's going to be a big lead. Packers defense kind of underrated. They struggle against the run. But if Fournette's not playing and the – I'll say this. It's really going to be important for the Bucks to score first. If they don't score first, this game's going to be over quick. But even with that said, I'm taking the Packers here, and I'm going to go Packers 40 uh, – no, I'm not going to go the 40. I'll go Packers 38, the Bucks 24. Wow, big. I, I respect that. Um, Vita Vea, yeah, big loss, but they still got Ndamukong Sue there in the middle, um, who's still very good. JPP, still really freaking good. Uh, their secondary is better than we realize. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, but yes, huge loss nonetheless uh, as far as a run stop stuffer. Hey, you need a run stuffer. The Giants got like 10 of them, so give us a call. You know, you could probably get a uh, – probably swindle Gettleman and, and giving you a, a guy for like a fifth rounder. So go ahead and give us a phone call here. And we can help you out. Anyway, uh, I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as you think, but if Chris Carson, not Chris Carson, I should say, um, Chris Godwin does not play, I'd certainly like the Bucks' chances less because the uh, impact that he has is certainly large. So um, if Chris Godwin plays, I think it's going to be a closer game. I'll, I will say if Chris Godwin plays, uh, it'll be Green Bay 31 the Bucks 27, but if no Chris Godwin, I think that flips it from, you know, potentially a touchdown to a field goal. So then it'll be 31 to 24, 23. So uh, regardless, I think Green Bay wins this game and wins it pretty handily, but I don't think it's a, a quite the blowout that you expect because it's still the Bucks, still Tom Brady, still Bruce Arians. I have a tremendous amount of respect for them, but I do expect them to lose this game. I, I think to keep in mind though, too, Nick Foles missed three surefire touchdown passes because he, he underthrew the receivers by 10 yards. Aaron Rodgers will not miss those throws. It just – he may miss one of them, but he ain't missing three. So the Bucks better shore up that secondary in a hurry because they got lucky against Foles. That's a good point. Yeah, Rodgers is on a, on a tear right now. So, um, all right, looks like we're approaching kickoff here in Tennessee, but we got a few more games we're going to talk about here and that we're going to finish up with – Sunday night football, which is a battle of the NFC West and the battle of California, uh, where the four and one Rams are taking on the two and three Niners. The Niners only two wins are coming against just the crappy MetLife stadium teams. Uh, and the Rams just take care of business against the Washington football team. As we talked about earlier, Aaron Donald might be the best football player I've ever seen. I am not convinced <laughs> that he's not, but he is one of the most ridiculous players I've ever seen. It's unfair that he's an interior defensive lineman. Who's also the best pass rusher. It, is stupid how good he is um and the and the Niners are coming off you know one of the more disappointing games of the season if I guess if you follow the Niners it's not as disappointing when you know how banged up they are but Jimmy G feels like he came back a little too early Matt what do you make of this game I I don't like the Niners chances here you're talking about a team that's on a roll I mean theoretically the Rams could be undefeated at this point you know, that, that Bills game, they should have won. You know, a bad call by the refs. And that flips the script a little bit. This Rams team is really good, and I think we underestimated them. And I, I will issue an apology to the L.A. Rams. <laughs> I am sorry. I had no idea. Your team looks a lot better than I thought they would. I think it's one of the better teams in the NFC. So much so, I, I think they win the NFC. Well, I'm not going to go to the NFC West. They might, though. I mean, hey, they might be better than Seattle. 
because Seattle's defense didn't mm-hmm. look that good. But with that being said, I don't think this is much of a contest against the Niners. Niners are too beat up. They're too depleted. They, they are the less talented team. And also, what do the Rams have? The best player on the field. The best player in this game. Always. Yep. Aaron Donald. So with that, it's a wrap. I'm going Rams 24, Niners 13. Yeah, you really got to hope that that Jimmy G was just not healthy and not ready to play because he looked awful. He he really threw some terrible interceptions. And, uh, you know, you got to hope that he comes back and he's healthier and Shanahan calls the game of his life because if they don't, this game could get ugly quickly for them. Um, the Rams offense is, is good enough and the defense is certainly good enough. We totally underestimated them all offseason long. So I will also issue an apology to the Los Angeles Rams. Um I just I did not expect them to be this good, and then maybe it was a Jared Goff thing, but nonetheless, they are super talented, and they are still really good. So, yeah, I think the Rams win this game. I don't think they're going to – I mean, these divisional games are always tough because I still think the Niners have talent, but what they did against the Dolphins, it's hard for me to be any optimistic about them. So I'll say Rams 27, Niners 20, but I would not be shocked if it's more than that, so – Okay, Monday Night Football. We got two games next week. Monday night, um, the game that's supposed to be this Thursday, and this is a scheduling note, there is no Thursday Night Football game this week because of the game that is starting now, um, the Bills and the Titans. The Bills were supposed to play the Chiefs this Thursday, uh, and this would have been an incredible matchup for Thursday Night Football, but instead it got moved to Monday because of this game now. Um, But we'll start off by saying here, Matt, um, you had one prediction in particular that uh, a team was going to go undefeated and only two teams in the history of football have gone undefeated in the regular season. The chiefs of 2020 are no longer a team in contention for that. They are not even the last remaining undefeated team. They get smoked by the Raiders last week. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would use the word smoked. I mean, they were in it, (laughs) but it, it wasn't a good performance. And this is one of the, this was the game that I was worried about when I took a look at this game and the Raiders just feel like a sneaky, difficult matchup for a lot of teams. It's a well-coached team. And man, you Mm -hmm. talk about speed. You said Carolina's fast. Aguilar and Henry Ruggs. Like now the Henry Ruggs pick makes sense, but I think this is going to be a surly, very surly chiefs team. I don't think they're happy. I think if anything, it's a big wake up call for them. Because guess what? You can't just show up. No one's going to be like, okay, well, here you go, Mahomes. Here's your four touchdown passes. I think Patrick has to be smarter with the football. And with that being said, the defensive First line. First name basis, huh? Well, yeah, you know, him and I, him and I talk <laughs> all the time. I'm always giving them tips. <laughs> you know, it's just. But with that being said, the the injury to uh, God, I cannot pronounce his name. Last week or this past Sunday, there his left tackle, uh, Asmila, but yeah, um, that hurt. That really hurt that team, especially with m- missing one of their starting guards, missing one of their backup guards who opted out, and then another one of their offensive linemen got hurt. So they're going through offensive linemen awfully fast. Yeah. So and you saw Mahomes running around for his life yesterday or on Sunday. So. It was a perfect storm. I tip my caps to the Raiders. The Raiders are a lot better football team than I think people give them credit for. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I've always said the Raiders are scrappy, but I, I did not expect that from them. Uh, maybe the Chiefs are overlooking them. Maybe they were focused more on the Bills, and we've seen that with them earlier this year. So there's a chance. But I just, I, we don't have a lot to say about the Bills because we haven't seen them. Obviously, they're on right now. So, um, you know, 
unless the Bills dominate the Titans by a ton, you know, I expect the Chiefs to win this game. And I have, I, I know how well Josh Allen has played, and I know how everyone, you know, to say he's an MVP candidate, and, you know, by his statistical numbers he is. But at some point, he's going to face an offense that he cannot keep up with. And I have a feeling it's going to be the Chiefs, especially because the Bills' defense has not played so well this year. So I expect KC to win this game by 10 at least, because I do have respect for the Bills. I don't want to say two touchdowns, but I will say 10 double digits. And I don't really feel like that's a, a crazy idea here. I, th- I think this might be a little bit more scrappy for the Chiefs. Uh, like I said, the offensive line worries me for the Chiefs. And uh, taking a look at it in totality, I think Josh Allen presents some problems to this defense. So I'm going to take – He just threw an interception to the Titans. So, <laughs> Well, the, 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 there's our MVP. There we go. Um, okay. So with that being said, I am going to take the Chiefs <laughs> 27 to 24. It's not even his fault. The receiver just did not catch the ball and it bounced right up in the air. So <laughs> poor Josh Allen. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game uh, 34 to 24 and it'll be a 10 point game. And, you know, Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes still had incredible throws and he, he had a throw in this game in the first quarter that was unbelievable. That didn't even count because of a holding call. The guy still does incredible things each and every week. So um, the Chiefs, I fully expect to still go 14 and two and to, you know, make a run at the Super Bowl. So uh, that's the CBS game on Monday night. Uh, that's not even the national game. The national game is going to be the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Um, the Cards got ahead a get right game against the Jets. They took care of business. Uh, they won 30 to 10. Um, the, the Kyler Murray, De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins connection is, is ridiculous. Um, it was like a span of three plays. They went like 80 yards downfield and Murray just threw two bombs to Hopkins on two of the plays of that drive. Um, this, the, the cards offense, I love the defense still remains a lot to be desired as you had brought up. But for me, this matchup is all about what they thought they were going to get with, um, with Dak in this game and now they're going to get Andy Dalton and it feels like to me the Cowboys future is bleak do you think Andy Dalton can kind of hold his own here for the Cowboys and you know keep them in the NFC East race I, I boy that that's a really good question because I think there's some serious concerns here with Dalton the offensive weapons are so good I do not see why not defensively it, it's it's still not going to get touched down yep hey, dear Brown. Yep, yeah, Tennessee's good. So I, I think with Dallas, <laughs> I, the issue goes back to I just don't think defensively they can stop people, and it's going to be a problem. Offensive lines beat up, and the if you're not disciplined in your gap control, the, the Cardinals can score a lot of points on you in a hurry. I, I am going to take the Cardinals here. I'll take the Cardinals. I, I, God, man, I, I'm going to say 38-36 in this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be a shootout. If you like defense, this ain't the game for you. <laughs> uh, I am going to take the over in this game because they are going to destroy the over for sure. Um, yeah, defense not going to be very kind in this one. Um, and I agree, a high scoring game all around. It's, I mean, Andy Dalton can still put up points. He can still make throws. And the Cowboys offense certainly still talented. Their offensive line is a big issue going forward, though. 
losing Tyron Smith and Lael Collins is going to be a big problem for them moving forward. But Zeke still is effective, and C.D. Lamb is probably the rookie of the year. He's been awesome. Michael Gallup's been awesome. Amari Cooper kind of hit or miss, but I think that's the guy that the other teams put their number one corner on, so it helps open up things for the rest of the offense. So, uh, yeah, big big scoring game here. I'm going to go Cardinals 45, Cowboys 31. But uh, nonetheless, I don't think it's going to be that close because I just don't love Andy Dalton as much. Um, but – that's uh that's every game here, um, Matt. And I just wanted to, um, you know, thank everyone for joining us. And if you haven't looked at the schedule changes, please do. Uh, but I want to give a quick fantasy update, Matt. Tell me a little bit about your league, and then I'll give an update on the ten teamer for the audible. It's a bloodbath for your guy here. Um, I need Devin Singletary <laughs> to really show out. I, I guess EJ, three and one EJ, who's leading his division. It's a, he has 151 points right now, Randy. I have 138.62. Only player left to play is Devin Singletary. He gets me 14 points. I win this damn thing. I'm two and two. I need to get three and two. So right now we're kind of on pins and needles with that one. Amazingly, that is both EJ and I have the highest scoring game out of everyone so far this week. Little Giants, your guy, Stephen Furlong, 128 yeah. Over Corey Decker. Corey Decker only has 111.3. So Stephen has won his matchup. Oh, not a good showing for Felipe and Chris Frederick. Growing the man, Felipe has 97.24 points. He's he already won because Chris only scored 70. So that changes that up. The Hernandez pistol offense up 116 to 95 on bubbles and the shit rockers. Not going to mention any names there, but Bubbles and the Shit Rockers has Derrick Henry and Buffalo's defense. Not looking good. And we have Easy Breezy has lost his first game of the year, which opens up our West Coast division, which I am a part of. So we have hope. Easy Breezy's 4-0, soon to be 4-1. I'm glad things are going better for you because in uh, the 10-team fantasy league in the Audible, I – scored a measly 62.54 fantasy points uh, against uh, Ricky, uh, who scored 106 fantasy points. So regardless, it's not good for either of us. I have Derrick Henry going right now, and unless he gets me 42 points, I'm screwed. So uh, not a good showing for me. You taking an L to Jacob this week in a high-scoring matchup of the week. He scores 159 you score 144, so a tough break for you. Uh, Mac Attack gets the win 133 uh, to 96.7, although they get matchups not over. Mac Attack currently still has two guys going here. Aiden Schrader currently losing uh, to Blazing Brett, and that game is final. Neither guys have players going tonight, 114 to 94. And my buddy Anthony Galena uh, beat Danny Dimes 148 to 115. Neither of those guys have any games going either. So I am just the worst of the worst in this league. I am horrible. 62 points is just not going to cut it. Uh, not doing very well. Piss poor performance uh, all around by me. So I got to set my game up there, uh, especially if my name is Bizarro Dave Gettleman. I got to start making some better roster decisions than that. <laughs> um, but I guess, Matt, if I have any advice, because you're going to do a fantasy show coming up later this week, and we'll touch on that in a second. Um, if you're looking for someone on waivers, uh, I, I'd go all in on Justin Herbert. You know, we have some bye weeks this week. I'll touch right now on bye weeks, and I think there's some big names. We got the Vegas Raiders on a bye week, the New Orleans Saints. Actually, the Los Angeles Chargers on a bye week, too, so maybe don't pick up Justin Herbert. Uh, and the Seattle Seahawks also on a bye week. But um, 
I mentioned earlier that I had dropped Chase Claypool in a league. If Chase Claypool is available in your league, I would suggest picking him up because he is uh, totally legit. Uh, he is the man. Um, I, if you're looking for, you know, Teddy Bridgewater might not be available, but he might be a replacement guy. I don't love the matchup against the Bears as much. We talked about it, but I think he could still be serviceable. But uh, good luck out there, man. I mean, if you have Matt Ryan, it's almost time to welcome to Dumpsville because he has had two bad weeks. But I, I don't want to give up on Matt Ryan quite yet. I think it's just been a bad couple of weeks if he typically does well in fantasy for you. Um, last night, the Chargers, Justin Jackson played really well. The Chargers were originally supposed to have a week 10 bye. So with the schedule changes, they have a week six bye. So this is kind of affecting how we are operating right now. So that kind of stinks. Um, you know, I had a lot of stock at Daniel Jones. You could probably drop Daniel Jones, he, you know, three straight games, no touchdowns. He couldn't score a touchdown against Dallas. His defense is probably not going to score very many touchdowns at all. And um, I just want to put out a philosophy here and um, fantasy wise that I did this week. And if we come into another situation, um, this game happened on a Tuesday because of the coronavirus situations going on across the NFL. If there's another situation like this, this year, this is what I did. So if you have any players in a game that happens on Tuesday night, and that game gets canceled on Tuesday morning, you are screwed. Um, so this is what I proposed to my league. And this isn't even my idea. The shout out to Matthew Barry of ESPN. He came up with this idea and I loved it so much that I, I, I suggested all my leagues did it. If you have players that are playing in this Tuesday game or any Tuesday game, and it still counts for that week, text your commissioner, the player you would have used instead, that's already on your bench before the game start on Sunday at one o'clock. Don't wait and figure out who had the most points and then say, I want to use this guy. No, the best way to do it is before the game starts. So it's fair. You don't know how well they're going to perform. So say you had Derrick Henry today and then you had Chase Edmonds on your bench. I said, all right, I want to use Chase Edmonds if, it, if this game gets canceled. And then the commissioner has the opportunity to plug in those points for you. And that way you're not totally screwed. I think if going forward, if you have another situation like this, that is the best way to operate, Matt. I don't know. What do you think of that? Have you come up? Have you had any other suggestions of me how to handle this week, a week like this? I think luckily we haven't had that situation pop up in, a, in our league, um, the 12-team league yet, which is thankful. Other leagues, I know we have like a rotating, kind of like a, a, a super flex spot, but it's custom. So we, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like what Matthew Barry said and you said, it's just he plays anyway. And if he doesn't play, oh, well, you right. know, you don't get those points. So it kind of evens out. So at the end of the day, actually, I'm sorry, what it does, is it takes the higher of logic. So you start two players, whoever scores the highest amount of points, that's the points that you get. So that, that's how we do that. Um, but thankfully, um, not an issue. If it is, I, I will adopt that. That's fine. If my league wants to do that, mm -hmm. just let me know who you want to start in that place before the games take place on Sunday. And we'll have that option. We'll plug in those points. But that, that's a great idea. That's I just a really like good solution. Yeah, I think that's the fairest way of doing it. That way, you know, it's like there's nothing any of us could have done. We've never had a, this experience before where games are just randomly getting canceled beyond anyone's control um, and that, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So I think this is the fairest way for everyone involved. Uh, luckily, yeah, like you said, we haven't had to implement that to this point. Okay. Uh, scheduling note, Matt, there uh, is no show with me later this week, but you said there could be a show with you later this week. So why don't you tell us about that show and the rest of the shows we have going on under the Life Group umbrella? Yep. So Felipe is going to Felipe Malicio, who does our total basis podcast and is fantasy centric. He's going to jump on with me on Friday morning. Um, we're looking at probably 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we're just going to go over some fantasy football stuff. We're not breaking down any games. We're not doing any predictions. It's just looking at the fantasy landscape of the NFL and especially with the COVID situation. 
who are you looking at? Who are you trying to implement? What players are really standing out for you? And philosophies and drafting and picking up um, players on the waiver wire. All right, cool. Very cool. Um, I love that. And, you know, check it. You know, if you're looking for some fantasy advice, you know, make sure you check in with you guys. I'm sure I will get the chance to watch you guys briefly. Uh, I will be up north in mountains and maybe not have cell service, which would be ideal for me. But if I do have some service, then maybe I'll, I'll check it out. And if not, I will check it out, of course, afterwards. Um, but tomorrow uh, we might have another uh, episode of The Lab and Food Life with, you know, Johnny and Matt. So stay tuned just in case, because you know, it's hit or miss with those guys. But, you know, when they do a show, they often make me pretty hungry and they often teach me some things. So be on the lookout for that. But tomorrow also is the step back at eight o'clock Eastern time in ball is life. And it's a special episode. I uh, probably can't join. I have some scheduling issues, but nonetheless, they are going to break down the NBA finals in my Los Angeles Lakers are 2020 champions. Looking forward to those guys hearing their thoughts on that. You know, congratulations to the Miami heat as well, because they put up a hell of a fight. Jimmy Butler did the damn thing. He did not play great in game six, but he, the game, the only reason there was a game six was because of Jimmy Butler. So uh, a lot of respect to the Heat, uh, and they will be back in the future. I have no doubt about that. So stay tuned uh, to check those guys out. Uh, Jacob Moses and Leon Tompkins over in Ball is Life tomorrow. Um, Wrestling Life, Pod Jobbers, those guys are taking a hiatus for now. So be on the lookout in case those guys come back. And, of course, Friday, you and Felipe will be back here in Football Life. As far as me, I will be gone all weekend. I will be back next Tuesday to break down all the Week 6 action and then, of course, preview TNF. And uh, we'll have all the news and uh, noise around the NFL and all that good stuff. And I'm looking forward to being back for you then Matt but for now it's just nice to have my mug off of TV and just spend some quality time with the wife well Randy I will miss you you know I love you it's gonna be bittersweet <laughs> not to have you but enjoy your time with your beautiful fiance you guys are on track to have a very beautiful union and uh, you always glow when you talk about Taylor a shout out so you know my wife Alexis usually beats me overhead with a frying pan and being experienced in the marriage game Randy <laughs> you are doing the right thing always acquiesce <laughs> to what the wife would like to do mm. take her nice places do all this so you can have your fun later you can mm. watch your giants and yell at them on sunday <laughs> or whenever they disappoint you next but no we'll miss you you know it's always sunday. a pleasure having you on but you know what Felipe and i will hold it down and tuesday we're gonna rock with the bears win I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I certainly uh, feel like I knocked it out of the park uh, in that department. <laughs> so I feel very lucky uh, to have her in my life and uh, I'll do anything to uh, make her happy. So um, regardless, Matt, she takes precedent over you. Unfortunately, you are just the trophy wife that I show off to everyone. She is the one that actually does all the work behind the scenes. So uh, you're going to have to hold it down without me. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have in store on Friday. Uh, but before we say goodbye, Matt, do you have any parting words for the audience? bear down <laughs> all right well thank you guys so much for joining us here uh whether it's facebook live whether it's on youtube whether it's on any of the audio platforms we're talking itunes spotify anchor it is greatly appreciated regardless of where you watch or how you watch wherever it is that you watch doesn't matter where we appreciate all the support that we can get uh this is football life presents the audible i'm randy hammond alongside matt bushnell saying see you guys next time